welcome back to Double Fries No Slaw. Um, back with you guys again, a regularly scheduled show, not a pop-up for the, for the first time in a few. Um, myself, TJ Pittenger, FSU national champion, Freddie Stevenson, and Richie Barnes. Um, guys, we're gonna we're gonna get right into it today. I, I don't wanna I don't wanna delay this or hold it up. I, I hope you guys are doing well. I'm not even gonna give you a chance to answer. Real quick, uh, show is is brought to you and sponsored by Guthrie's in Tallahassee. Their two locations are 2550 North Monroe and 1818 West Tennessee Street. We'll talk about them again later. We've got a special guest. I'm going to add him in, and we're going to get get kicked off and get started. Uh, Mike Martin Jr., me. How are you doing tonight, man? Thanks so much for coming on the show. Absolutely. Uh, appreciate it. Um, by the way, Guthrie's, golly, those were the days, man. <laughs> I used to house like three or four of those like it was nothing, and Oh man, good times. Do you still hit it often? That's that's really all that we can't brought you on here to talk about was Guthrie's <laughs> and food and stuff. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> and don't think for a second that Zaxby's did not steal their recipe and the sauce and everything else. I'm convinced that that's all they did was steal it. So anyway, sorry. <laughs> but coach, we need to know: is it double fries, no slaw when you go there? Oh, gosh, of course. Let's go. Really, all right. Again, I don't. I don't know anything about what you guys are doing and whatever but as, as soon as you said double fries no flaw i'm like boom got it i know exactly what you're saying <laughs> we uh when we were when we were setting this up we were trying to think of all the you know we've told this a couple of times but we we're thinking of all the cliche florida state names unconquered and you know tribe and like just all the cliches you can come up with and somebody said just do it based on guthrie's like everybody loves guthrie's like do something off the wall, and we were like, "All right, sounds good." So um, yeah, we used to sit in line in the drive-through for literally an hour and a half to get food. <laughs> it's the slow in service. <laughs> they had crack mixed in. I'm something in their batter had crack in there, and it was game one. <laughs> that is hilarious. Um, no, it's it's good stuff, and we've enjoyed it. I mean, we were we were fortunate enough to partner with with their locations there in Tally, and so we uh, we like it. I'm in Tampa. I went to the one down here just the other day. Um, but yeah, no, it's good stuff for sure. So we'll, uh, we'll take it over to the, uh, to the field for a second. Um, weird, weird season last year, right? Shortened your, your first year. Um, I don't know if you've, if you've talked a ton about that. Well, what was, what was that like? Just how, you know, kind of the whole, maybe the whole year. So two-parter, like taking over the excitement of your first season as head coach, you know, all the excitement that comes with that. And then, you know, the abrupt end of sports. I mean, what was the, what was the roller coaster of emotions on that? Like, yeah, it, it definitely was, um, you know, I'll roll out and lose my first game to golly. I don't even know who it was. It was a, a guarantee game. I lose that. So, um, <laughs> then we get going, play decent, you know, we, um, we could really pitch. It, it was a good team. And I really believe we would have made a run at it because we were starting to play defense. Um, you know, your pitching on is, is going to go as far as your defense. And um, I like the club. We had some guys starting to, you know, heat up. Reese Albert, um, Elijah Cabell. We had, we had some pieces. And, um, you know, had a guy like C.J. Van Eyck and Shane Drohan, who are no longer with us. They got paid, and I'm glad for them. And, um, but, again, it was weird. And then, you know, the whole thing comes crashing down and uh, in a matter of literally days. So it's it definitely was surreal. What uh, your dad at the end of his career really struggled with with UF 
um, and playing the Gators. How did it feel to end their season with a loss? Was that a was that a fun win? <laughs> and yeah, we can was, at least look one. back on that one. You know, with all the stuff that happened, you're like, well, gosh, you know. Well, the last game played at McKeithen Stadium was a loss to the Knowles. So get some. Um, <laughs> yeah, they had to tear the building down after that, man. That was it. <laughs> the last game played, and it'll go in all the books, you know, to – that was it. So that was that was pretty sweet. But I'm sorry. I'm 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 in a watching golf, and I'm making sure this Gator Horschel doesn't win this tournament. <laughs> okay, that's good. We're good. Yes. Yeah, so, so, coach, talk about you know just obviously you you played for your father, you coached under him for so many years, and then you take over for him. You know, there's a lot of pressure just in the name alone, but obviously you have a different you know, vision uh, to some extent of how you want to run the program. So how difficult was that in the transition to try and sell your new vision, building upon what your father built the past, you know, four plus decades? Yeah, it, it wasn't easy. That's for sure. Um, you know, you, you can't ask a 75 year old to go sit and watch games from you know, dead of summer from, you know, eight in the morning till 10 at night. So um, you know, the kids these days, they want that. They want the head coach, you know, that they're all, it's all about the, you know, the love and the, um, you know, stuff like that, they, you know, bricks and sticks, you know, the facilities, yeah, it matters, but they, they want that relationship. And, and again, you can't ask, I mean, if we had a situation where I could get him to campus, I couldn't close the deal. I bring him in. Yeah, it was, he'd close it. But, um, as long as mom and dad were there. You know, but again, things happen so fast now. Recruiting's changed. And, um, you know, the, the pace of play, I wanted to speed that up. I wanted our guys to be more intimidating. I wanted them to act a certain way on the field. And, um, you know, I think it's I think it's going to work. Yeah. And uh, just piggyback off that father son, you now have your son playing for you. Um, I know you only had about 15 games or so, but it looked like he was considering maybe going the Juco route and then you, you ended up getting him in. Um, and I don't know if you expected him to be as productive as he was right away. It looks like he he led the or second on the team with a 41 on base percentage and a 2020 collegiate baseball freshman All American. Did you see that coming, or were you surprised that yourself as his father with his personal growth he made in a short period of time? Yeah, the problem was I never got to see him play. You know, when their season's going on, and you know, I just never got to see him play. So, um, yeah, he would come out when their fall season was over. He'd come out and work out with us and. You know, I kept watching him. I'm like, dang, man, he's pretty good. And um, he could put together an at-bat and, you know, hang in there. And his swing and miss rate was the lowest on the club. And, you know, so I went to him. I said, hey, you know, what do you think? And he's like, yeah, that's all I've ever wanted to do. Let's go. And, um, you know, he, he can he can play. He's a good player. Yeah, and, and I guess uh, what do things look like for you guys right now? Because I know typically you'd be getting ready to get geared up for, you know, the, the fall uh, – you know, workouts and uh, you typically have the Garnet Gold game in October. Have you heard anything on if you're going to be able to hear um, uh, if that'll be uh, happening or what's going on as far as that during the, the midst of this pandemic right now? I literally, I can't tell you anything. I don't know anything. Nobody knows anything. Uh, we have a big group text uh, chat going with a bunch of coaches and nobody knows anything. It, it's all based upon football, which it should be, keeping them safe, keeping everybody else away from them. It's it's going to go down to the wire, and you know I don't know anything as far as whether we're going to be able to practice, play, um, work with them, anything. It's they're just trying to buy time to see if we can get some somebody smart enough to figure it out and 
get a vaccine or whatever. Um, yeah, I know you grew up in Tallahassee. You had an opportunity to play for your dad, and now your son has an opportunity to play for you. Sometimes is that as a dad and you have your coach as well, do you find yourself conflicted? Your son makes a big play. You want to cheer, do your dad thing, but you're like, oh, I got to chill. I'm, I'm, I'm in coach mode. Do you ever find yourself conflicted? No. Um, you know, I said that, Freddie. There, there was one time he got a big hit against Texas Tech, and I was like, right on, my man. <laughs> you know, um, but for the most part, I, I tell my coaches, I said, guys, you know, make sure I'm not too hard on them, but because that's probably going to be the problem is I, I expect too much and um, I want to treat them equally just like everybody else. Um, but there's times in which, yeah, it's pretty cool. You know, that's your son out there, you know, balling out and, you know, good stuff. But at the same time, I probably am a little bit harder on him than, than everybody else. And I, I shouldn't be that way. Um, just growing up in Tallahassee, you grew up the Florida State way. I have to ask you, um, my personal opinion, I'm going to go with Florida, but who do you, which rival do you hate the most? Miami. Miami? Yeah. You know, Florida's for the boosters. Miami's personal. It's always been that way back when, you know, I was playing and, you know, you were playing. It was, Florida was, they were out of the mix. It was like, whatever, you know, they were trying to figure things out. But Miami was always us and them and football and baseball. And, you know, they cheated us, you know, not to get into all that, but the sign stealing and from the video cameras and stuff like that, that was done a long time ago. Isn't it ironic that Alex Cora, um, shoot, who was the other one? There's another one that both came from Miami and they all got implicated in the MLB stuff, but they were doing it back in college, and, you know, it was terrible. And so, yeah, Miami, no question. You had an opportunity to get a home run against Miami, didn't you? Yeah, I got one. How'd that feel? It was good. That, <laughs> that was the only guy I could hit was Jay Tesmer, that little sidearm guy that, you know, whatever, set the world on fire with saves. But, man, I used to wear him out. I couldn't wait for him to come into the game. Out of doubt. Yeah, I know um, a lot of guys after college, they have good careers, and you had the opportunity to go on and play in the pros. Um, what was that transition like for you? It, it was weird. You know, I, I like camaraderie, teamwork. Um, you know, it, it's it's totally different in pro ball. You know, it's a selfish, you know, I got to get to the big leagues, and, you know, the guy that's playing behind you is pulling against you. And, um, there, again, there's not a lot of – uh, camaraderie and, you know, stuff that I believe in. And so I, I, I didn't have a real good, you know, pro experience at all. But, again, it's for some people. It's not for others. And they're going to take care of the ones they got money in. I can promise you that. It would have done. It's very political. Oh, yeah. What is uh, – we grow up and we watch these teams and, you know, football and baseball and basketball and, and we watch all these different teams. What is um, – what is your relationship like with, you know, I know he's not been there long and, and also during a pandemic, but what is your relationship like with, uh, you know, Coach Norvell, Coach Hamilton, some of these other guys that we all idolize and we're all fans of and, and stuff like that? Yeah, Coach Ham and I are, are, are you know, I, we've known each other for forever. And, um, you know, we'll sit there outside of academic committee meetings and stuff like that and we'll, you know, chew the fat and, you know, but – you know, Coach Norvell, I, I really don't know him. I've had a little bit of communication with him. Uh, thank goodness he's 
all about some two-sport guys, uh, which, you know, Florida State needs to continue to be two-sport you. And um, he's all in, uh, nice guy, driven. Um, you know, everything's been good so far. Just, um, you know, he asked about a couple of guys, you know, the whole political world. And, um, you know, I try to help him in regards to that. Yeah, I know you don't need much help right now, Coach. You guys are recruiting pretty well. But if, if you need to close, you might just want to call Ham because what he's doing over there is, is pretty ridiculous <laughs> oh, yeah. right now. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> um, I know that, again, the, the season kind of got weird and cut short and stuff like that. Um, does your – I mean, I, I guess I want to ask you to speak for him. But what, does your dad have plans to kind of like still still be around? Is he enjoying being away right now? Does he want to – does he want to come out and see the games or, you know, now that, now that he's not there or, you know, what, what's his, what's his take on, or is he just kind of riding off in the sunset and enjoying being away? <laughs> yeah. He, he's climbing the walls like we all are. And um, he's kind of at that point where he's like, shoot, man, you know, mom's, you know, driving me crazy or mom's pushing him too hard to do yard work and stuff like that. And he'll <laughs> randomly call and say, Hey, y'all practicing today. I'm, yeah. Come on out. So, he came out one time and it literally looked like the town bum. I mean, he had <laughs> all over him, grass clippings, pine straw coming out of his shoes. And, you know, I'm like, what's going on? He's like, yeah, you know, Meemaw has got me working. So uh, it's, it's third time now, so it's good. Um, I know you you saw so much in Tallahassee, all the different stars, all the changes. Do you have any memories that just stand out to you? You witnessed the Deons, the Charlie Wars, those guys. Do you have any any stories that kind of stand out to you? Any funny stories? I know you witnessed it all. Yeah. I mean, again, I've been around it, Freddie, for so long. Um, I forget what I did, but I was hurt. And Randy Orvitz was doing something. And I went in the training room, and Odell Hagens and – Golly, was it who else was in there? But they come in just pouring sweat, and you know, they like chasing, you know, Charlie Ward. They just like, you, you can't catch the guy, he could be in a phone booth and you can't tackle him. And I, I just remember those days, it, it was, you know, good times. Everybody was, um, you know, happy, jovial. We were obviously really good, you know, those were the, those were the days. And as a home athlete. I wanted you to answer this. Um, everybody's different, but what do you look for coming out of high school in your athletes? Um, what intangibles are you looking for in a player? And what do you think it, a player needs in order to be successful? Because we know a lot of guys that have the skill set, but it'll be a few things that keep certain guys from being successful and they'll kind of kill you that they can't put it together. Yeah. You got to have them right in, in a lot of phases. They better be right mentally. Physically, spiritually, socially, um, and, and that's the big thing these days especially. Um, there's a lot of stuff going on in these kids' heads with social media and all the stuff that comes with it, um, you know, and it's, it's scary, and, and they've got to be right. So that's what I'm, I'm basically doing. I'm, there, there's not a lot of recruiting with me going on right now. It's just raising money because we've got to keep the money coming in to where we can provide those you know, those guys to be right in all of those spaces. And, um, yeah, I think it's crazy important. You were talking a little earlier about, um, you know, just kind of being 
unaware of, of what the future holds, obviously with the pandemic and, and different things going on. Um, to me, it, it seems like football is is the litmus test, right? Like if football can kind of happen all across the country or maybe just in the South where it actually is going to happen. But if, if football can happen, that's kind of the linchpin, right? Like if that goes off without a hit, then I, I would think basketball, you know, will happen less, less guys. We've seen the MLB have some trouble, but also have some success. So, you know, I, I'm hopeful that, you know, football goes well, first of all, so that we can watch football, but then also so that everything else can kind of start to return to normal as well. Uh, so, is that so that we have money? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we need football for that, right? Yeah, that's the you know leading train. We've got to have football, and it and it scares me that um, I, I'm all about the bubble. You know, if, if guys want to play, let's go bubble them up and let's go. Um, you know, the MLB has had some hiccups because they don't bubble. Yeah, you know, I think that's the the key. And um, you know, we've had some success in some sports. NHL's fine, and NBA's fine, and um, you know, I think pro football will do the same. But I think that's the key. And yeah, it's scary if we don't play football. I'm I'm really worried. Coach, how how do you stress to these kids the importance of you know sacrificing a semester basically? Because we saw Oklahoma, their testing rates were really good. Then they give the players a week off. Nine players come back and test positive, trace back to a party. So yeah. how how important and how difficult is it to get you know eighteen to twenty year old twenty two year olds on a Friday night they have off to say hey maybe hang out and hop on the Xbox or something don't go to the party don't go to that bar because it's yeah. you know I, I haven't had those conversations yet but obviously they're coming here shortly the guys are coming back to town this week and you know hopefully we'll get school launched on Monday and. Um, <laughs> Basically, threaten them. Say, look, you know, if I find out that you went and did this or went and did that, then you know you're in big trouble because uh, I don't know what else to do. But it's going to take everybody. So, coach, I want to go back um, two years ago. You guys were kind of struggling throughout the season. That the question was, is the 40 win streak in jeopardy? I think a lot of people had pretty much written it off, and then you go on a, that pretty magical run towards the end of the season. Um, I want to talk specifically that LSU series. When you guys hit that walk-off, what was that like just knowing it was going to be your dad's last Super Regional and to win at a venue like that, one of the best in college baseball? And when you guys were pretty heavy underdogs going in, I mean, just watching the celebration was awesome. But what was that moment like with you and your dad and then maybe after the game in, the, in private, if you can share a little bit with us? Yeah, and again, when I worked for him, it was you know, just work, work, work. And, and it's, I regret that, but it had to be that way in order to, you know, to keep the program moving upward and, um, yeah, we, we rolled in and said, look, we're as good as anybody. We've played well at Georgia. Um, by the way, that is one environment. I, you know, I'd heard about it. I'd never been there, but my gosh, was that place loud. Um, but we, you know, we got it done and, um, it was, you know, congratulations and awesome. And then, all right, who are we playing first? No And it just goes into, you know, business mode and, um, and I wish it wasn't that way because, uh, you know, as a, you get older, you're like, ah, dog, you kind of missed the opportunity to really have a good, you know, father-son moment or a good, you know, coach, assistant coach. But you, you got to keep pushing. Those moments are so neat. So many people, um, I mean, we could just be honest with what it is. You, I mean, you were pretty upfront with, you know, we need football. So many people fall in love with Florida State because of football, right? Like that, that's the big draw. Um, but it's so cool to watch the community rally around 
everyone else whenever they have a moment, right? Like I can remember being in Charlotte for the ACC championship game in 2014 and watching the women's national championship on my iPhone, right? Like on ESPN plus or whatever they had, we all rallied around the softball team. You know, Richie talks about that moment. I think your dad, the video of your dad saying we're going back in Baton Rouge. I mean, that got more retweets than any football video that I've ever, you know, like people just love that stuff. And obviously we've mentioned coach ham and the basketball team. Um, so many great programs and stuff like on campus that people can, you know, really rally around and enjoy and stuff like that. We mentioned some of the, some of the big names again, Hamilton and Norvell and, and people like that, but who, who are like the, who are the underrated, like either funny or just really cool or who are the coaches that you have a good relationship with? Um, and that you're close with that maybe aren't as well known, like the big names like Hamilton and Norvell and those guys. Well, Sue runs the show, in case y'all didn't know. I love Sue. Yeah. Oh yeah. She's been around, she's eloquent. She she uh, you know, people listen when she starts talking. And um obviously she's done an amazing job with the women's basketball program and, and Lonnie, uh same thing. Um, you know, there's a lot of coaches and our coaches you know, on campus are pretty impressive. Um, and so it's really neat to, you know, be on a Zoom or be in a meeting with them and listen to their wisdom and their, you know, how hard they drive and push. And um, because it's all in the name of, you know, keeping this program moving upward. Um, you kind of just spoke on it a little bit earlier, but the success you guys have had over a long period of time is impressive. And of course, you want to have that business approach, but these kids these days, it's a different, completely different generation. They want to have success. They want to have opportunity to win and of course, play, play in the pros, but they also want to have fun in college. So how do you find that balance between being hard on them, keeping that business approach, but also making sure that these kids have fun and they're getting the most out of their college experience? Well, you, you treat them fairly. Um, you know, I, I tell them day one, look, you want to be treated like a man, act like a man. You know, this is big boy baseball. This is the real world. This is how it works. Uh, we're going to teach you the right way. We're going to be caring. I'm not going to beat you up mentally. Uh, I'm not into the Bobby Knight stuff, um, but we're going to we're going to do it right. And, you know, here are the, the rules. And if you break them, here are the consequences. Lay it out for them. And, um, you know, academics are important. And. You know, we've, we've gotten a bad rap over the years for, you know, being so good athletically that people think this isn't a, you know, amazing degree. Well, it is. And, you know, now we're in the top 25 and people are starting to go, wow, okay, maybe it's not a, you know, athlete mill and we just pump out athletes, um, you know, because there's so much more to life. And, and I'm big on that. And I want the whole person right. And, um, you know, I learned that from 11. He was always into that. Look, I, I get more out of, Instead of somebody making the big leagues, I get more out of that alumni weekend. And here comes such and such that everybody said I shouldn't take. And, you know, I molded him into a, a decent man. And now he's got a family and, you know, he, he's living life. And that's what it's about. Without a doubt. No doubt. Um, how I, I know you're crazy busy. Um, well, in, in normal years, yeah. but <laughs> I'm bored. Um, <laughs> that's why it was so easy to get you on here. Uh, shout out to Harlan who, who helped set this up, but I know you're usually super busy, you know, out in, in normal times, but 
do you try and keep in contact with with the guys that go on and, and are in the league and do you kind of are you able to catch up with them and are you able to follow their careers and or is it just kind of like man you're slammed with <laughs> slammed with fsu all the time well i am and they are too so we kind of try to lay back you know if they want advice that they want um you know birthdays and you know uh, they have kids or whatever else. Yeah, I'll shoot them a text, but we, we try to leave them alone, you know, as best we can to let them do their thing and, you know, offer up, hey, we're going to have the guys back for on this date and stuff like that. But for the most part, we kind of just let them you know, do their thing. Um, nobody, nobody that knows me is going to be very shocked by this question. Um, but what was what was Jameis like uh, around the baseball team? Obviously, he was just such a clown all the time where we saw him. I know Freddie played with him uh, for a couple of years, but you know, just a different kind of environment, not the media circus that football always was. So, like, what what was he like in in that setting? The best, <laughs> literally. He was, you know, he was the first one in the clubhouse. He was the last one to leave. Um, you know, the low on the totem pole guys loved him. He never was – even after he won the Heisman, he was still, you know, Jay Boo. He was just one of the guys. All he wanted to do was compete and win. And, you know, he cared about the university, cared about his teammates. And, um, you know, I'll, I'll go to my grave. Like, shoot, that, that joker was as good as it gets. I know your dad told a story on game day um, back during the national title run about Jameis when he was redshirting in football and played in baseball – how he wasn't really playing, but he kind of got on the entire team. I think it was against Georgia Tech or someone. I don't remember the exact team, but said he kind of got up out of nowhere and just kind of ripped the team a new one, and, and they went out and won the game. And that's when he said he knew that he was going to be special. Do you remember that? And did oh, you yeah. feel the same way, that that this guy's going to be special on the football field? Yeah, and, and special in life. You know, just the whole makeup, everything that, that came with him. You know, he knew my kids' names. He knew – all the coaches, kids' names, and it would ask about them. And, um, you know, the, the, the one time that I, I said, wow, okay, he's he gets it, is, you know, he was an outfielder. I said, I, I want to see if he can play first base. So it had been raining, and, you know, it was, you know, everybody watching, of course, and I was hitting him ground balls, and it, it was mushy and whatever else. So most guys in that – and this was after the Heisman by the way. And he's over there taking ground balls at first base, doing the best he can and goes over to his left and slides and, you know, look like a fool of almost hit him in the face, whatever. And, you know, most guys laugh and try to, you know, give that, Oh, you know, what, what am I doing here? He's like, no, hit me that same ball again. I was like, okay, he gets it. Like this ain't about, you know, what you look like. This is, you know, how you play and how you go about your business and, and getting after it and trying to make yourself better. What was that season like with him after he had won the national title in the Heisman? Because I know you guys had played at UCF. I'm in Orlando, so I was at that game. I remember specifically you guys were playing the Yankees down in Tampa, and uh, we got we got lucky with some really good seats behind home plate, right behind some scouts, actually. And Jameis came into pitch, and the, the crowd went nuts, and these scouts were looking around like, these people are crazy. This isn't even an actual game. Um, so what was that like for – maybe not for Jameis, but for you and the players who – aren't used to those massive crowds where he has, you know, hundreds of people trying to get autographs before games. Oh, yeah. that, that stadium was, that stadium was packed with guard <laughs> and gold. I was there, man. That war chant was heavy. 
looked like the Yankees were the away team, man. That was yeah. the, that was like two days before my wedding, and I was like, I'm going. I don't care, man. <laughs> I had to go to the bathroom in like the third inning, so I go back up underneath, and you know, and I'm like, what's going on? You know, James is walking behind me. I said, what's going on? I said, you in the game? He said, yeah, but Derek Jeter wants to say hello to me. I'm like. Dang. <laughs> so Jeter, I walk to the bathroom and there he is standing there. I'm like, excuse me, Mr. Jeter. I got to get in the bathroom. But yeah, I mean, it was it was a circus. Everywhere we went, we'd fly in on Thursday nights. We'd hit the ground, get to the hotel, and there's people everywhere wanting his autograph and um, paparazzi. And, you know, we had to we had to do a lot of things to make it through that season. But again, it was it was special, him being around and uh yeah, he made us better. And don't think for a second he couldn't pitch in the big leagues right now. I promise you that. I, I, I know it. Just seeing his approach to the game on the football field, um, it was second to none. Like you said, the first one there, the last one to leave. And with all his accomplishments, the thing that stood out to me, which a lot of people, they don't understand about him from the outside looking in, was – He's actually quite humble. Very. So I remember after he won the Heisman, and we were we were coming in. He had the trophy, and before guys could even ask, he just going around. He's like, "Listen, this is y'all trophy," and he was passing it around to everybody. And it just stood. It just stuck with everybody from your walk-ons to anybody else. He was letting them have his trophy, and he wasn't too big big for that moment. He didn't get the big head on people, didn't try to stun on the guys. He was like, listen, guys, I wouldn't be here without you guys. Y'all enjoy this. Yeah, a genuine guy. It always he has been, always will be. Um, you know, his dad's the same way, just as thankful and um, you know, respectful and just all the above. And, um, you know, I miss him. Shoot, I ain't. I tune him a text every now and again. And of course, he fires right back. He's just always been that way. And, um, He's he's different, no doubt. No doubt. Not uh, I mean, you could speak about him specifically, um, or just kind of this question in, in general. But what is the what does the process look like when when two coaches are kind of dual recruiting, right? When 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 you and Jimbo are, are or when you guys and Jimbo are recruiting, or Ham and, and Norvell are recruiting, or how does that work? Like in recruit, like for the fans that aren't aware when, when two coaches are going after somebody. Yeah. Uh, you let them take the lead. Um, you know, they have to sign a football scholarship for them to play baseball. So um, it's one of those things where you, you say, look, okay, yeah, this is where we think he's going to be drafted. This is how good we think he is. You know, you be honest and upfront and just tell him, um, you know, if he's a, a real you know dude that can help you, well, it's free for us. So, Tell us what you want us to do. We'll do whatever, you know, because 11.7 scholarships and we get a freebie and he's a dude. Okay, perfect. Let's do it. And Coach Norbrow, we've got a couple in the hopper right now. Um, no, that totally makes sense. Um, well, cool. I, I'm I'm good. I, I I appreciate your time. We've been on here for about 30 minutes. I don't want to keep you too long. Richie, Freddie, I mean, if you guys have any closing closing thoughts, closing questions, I, I appreciate all your time today, Coach. Um, sure. I, I just appreciate you taking time out today and hopping on with us. It's an honor. I saw you around campus a lot, but the, I never got an opportunity to speak with you. So right now it's humbling to be here with you, down-to-earth guy. And um, 
I'm looking forward to seeing more success from you guys in the future. And yeah. Yeah. Again, coach, thanks for coming on. I have one last question. I haven't been up there yet, but how nice is that redone Seminole golf course? And when you and your dad go play, who, who gets the best of who? Well, I got him now. I mean, he is 76. Uh, the problem is my son, TJ, can wear us both out. So uh, we went out and played the other day, and, man, is that a great track. They amazing job they did on it. It's, um, you know, for us average golfers, they can move the tees and do whatever and play it that way. But if you want to see where the big boys play, good luck, because that thing is nasty. They oh. get those tees way back, but – um, Trey Jones and you know his group did a, yeah. obviously Jack Nicholas did an amazing job transforming it. It looks totally different, and um, it's a championship course. Awesome! I got to give a major shout out to um, Josh Dell, a Polk County guy that was up at Florida State doing this thing. Got to give a shout out to him. He he went to the same high school as me, and yeah, he did his thing in college. And you got any stories about Josh, man? Take your time, no, man. I don't learn from real quick. Yeah, I don't have anything. You said Josh Minnick? Josh Delph. Oh, Josh Delph. Oh, I got plenty. Shoot. <laughs> as good as it gets. You know, he was a salt of the earth guy, and he still is. Um, the one thing that pops in my mind is when, you know, we almost lost him. Did you ever hear that story? Oh, my gosh, man. We we played somebody, and we are going to Miami. And, you know, they come up to the front of the plane, and they're like, Coach, you know, Josh isn't doing good. I'm like, what's going on? Eleven, of course, was asleep. That's what you do when you get old. <laughs> and I, I went back to the back. I mean, he's pouring sweat, pale as can be. And I'm like, this ain't good. You know, we just thought he had the flu. Come to find out, we get down there. We go to practice, send him to the hospital, the UM hospital. Um, long story short, he had meningoencephalitis which is meningitis and encephalitis combined. And they were like, this ain't good. And let's see, we played the series. He was in the hospital the whole time. We flew him back on the plane. He was feeling better. Get back to Tallahassee, takes a turn for the worst. Get him rushing with TMH. They don't know. They, they can't figure it out, basically. And um, so they brought in the CDC and everybody. And that, he they don't know if a mosquito got him or what, but he was in bad shape and, um, you know, worked his tail off to get it back. I mean, he was out the rest of the year and that was pretty early that, um, you know, he got sick, but you know, that, that you talk about putting together an at bat, he could do that, man. He'd take that hit by pitch. He was a tough nut and, um, ended up pulling through and up playing pro ball and got a family now and love him to death. Yeah, that's my guy. Oh Yeah. I thought you were going to say you guys, uh, he missed a plane or something when you said you almost lost him. I didn't know it was going to be that serious, but <laughs> I'm glad it, glad it was a, a positive outcome. Yeah, it was, it was bad. It was really touch and go for a while. Hmm. Well, man, again, I, I appreciate you coming on. We're, we're, we're crossing our fingers to, um, for football and then obviously the rest of the sports to, to happen and come through. I sent Harlan a, a shirt like ours. Uh, that he's gonna bring you. Love so you wear that the next time you go to Guthrie's and send us a send us a <laughs> send us a picture of the uh, shirt when you get it. But man, thank you so much for coming on, man. We look forward to knock on wood getting a season this year and getting to watch you guys finish one out and beat the heck out of UF again. There you go. Exactly. Right on. We'll do it. Thanks, fellas. Thanks, Thanks buddy. Go Nose. Go, go Nose.
Um, massive, massive to get an interview like yeah, that, guys. Right. Like that's that's a ton of fun. Uh, a current active uh, head coach at Florida State. Um, I I did not uh, did not think that that was going to happen this early into into our career doing this. Uh, shout out again, my my buddy Harlan, who uh, who knows Mike and was able to get that set up for us. Um, I sent Harlan a free shirt too for the uh, for the hookup. I feel like that's the least we could do. So, uh, any any thoughts on any thoughts on that? Man, that was a lot of fun. He's he's pretty cool. He's pretty down to earth. Yeah, it was nice seeing him in here because I typically see his like post game press conferences. He's he's very direct to the point. Kind of wants to get in and out. So it's it's cool to see him. You know, loosen up a little bit and get get a peek behind the curtain of of meat right there. Yeah, I heard stories about him. Everything was good. So that's the exact vibe I was expecting when he came in. Got somebody saying double fries and let me get some extra sauce. <laughs> That's what I did. Uh, we didn't talk about it a ton because we had that we had uh, the interview with uh, Kadarian. We'll shut everything out that we normally do at the beginning of the show now. But uh, I went uh, on Friday. I know I mentioned that on the last show, but I went on Friday, had lunch um, with a buddy, uh, actually a Gator fan. I introduced him to Guthrie. Uh, well, I can't remember if he'd been or not, but. Um, Went and got the extra sauce, brought my wife some home. She asked for the extra sauce, no coleslaw, so it was good. Um, again, brought to you by Guthrie's in Tallahassee. Um, double fries, no slaw is 1818 West Tennessee Street, 2550 North Monroe. Um, tell them we sent you. Tag us. And I got a bunch of stickers and stuff here. I'm mailing stuff out for people that tag us in uh, pictures of their Guthrie's order. I will. Uh, I'll mail you. Uh, stickers or, or whatever. Well, that's all you're getting, but I'll mail you stickers and you can put it on stuff. Um, the shirt is live on our Instagram. And then if you're watching this right now, do me a favor, retweet it, share it. Um, I'll bring you one tomorrow, Dan. Dan did that before we started doing the giveaway, so it didn't really count. But um, uh, we're doing a giveaway on instagram right now as well if you go to our instagram it's the second post uh from the top um we're giving away a bunch of vintage fsu gear or a 50 dollars gift card to, to get some so um go check out our instagram facebook twitter it's all at double fries pod uh if you could retweet like share all this stuff i see 46 people in here and seven likes so we should have about 30 more likes coming soon so I'm not great at math, but like this, share it, um, tag some friends. We appreciate the support and the love and, and stuff like that. So, um, how am I? Th I think I'm. I think I'm through everything. I don't think I'm forgetting anything. Rich, I think you got some camp updates. We've got another guest coming up in a little bit, but I think you got some updates on camp. Uh, if you guys want to talk about your weekends, what you did, I, I'm. We've got some time to kill here before this other guest gets on. <laughs> Yeah, we'll, we'll run into camp and then do some stuff afterwards. But just, um, you know, so last night, Saturday night, Florida State held their first scrimmage. They did it under the lights in Doak with an ACC officiating crew. So they really wanted to emulate, you know, a real game time situation. Sounds like the defense did get the better of the offense, but that's pretty much to be expected for the first scrimmage of camp. Um, Norvell was very happy with the communication of the offense from him to Dillingham to the players said the effort and the pre-snap execution was very good, which is something that should be music to Florida state's, uh, fans ears. Everybody's lined up at least, at least what that's what they're telling us again, no media is allowed in here. Um, so we're kind of going by what the school has to say, but it looks like Travis Jay's really standing out. Kando's flashing. 
They're still working on some rotations with the offensive line. They, he said he'd like to get down to eight, but for now, you know, they're, they're really tweaking, trying to see what works. Um, I guess the big story is Blackman sounds like he got the majority of the reps, but he had the two freshmen, Chubba Purdy and Tate Rotomaker, live. So they were taking hits. Mike Norvell said afterwards he, he knows that James Blackman and Jordan Travis, he's seeing them in games at the college level, doing that speed, taking those hits. And he does that with all his freshmen going back to Memphis and wanted to see them. So they had a real opportunity. Um, sounds like that's a position battle that's going to keep going throughout the spring. And then uh, special teams, again, I, I love hearing this. It doesn't sound sexy, but he put an emphasis on special teams. Said Alec, Alex Mastronamo, the, the Aussie kicker, um, he was really booting it, apparently. He said he was extremely impressed with his punting. Really good stuff there. Um, other small notes uh, afterwards, Adam Fuller confirmed that he wants to be on the field during games. Kenning Dillingham said he'll be up on the box where he spent his entire career. Um, and Norville did the, uh, say that there may be a few more players opting out. There's some consideration, you know, Josh over on 247, hearing Warren Thompson, potentially DJ Matthews, as guys that may opt out now, which shouldn't be too surprising based on this past week. But let's just go back to the start here. And Freddie, I want to get your thoughts on this uh, since you were there recently. What's it like in camp, in the locker room before that first scrimmage, especially for some of these guys that, you know, they may be further down the depth chart, but they say, hey, we got new coaches, new position coaches. I got a chance to skyrocket up if I come and show out under the lights in the scrimmage. You find out early that these scrimmages, no matter how well you're doing, or how bad you're doing that practice. They're not like practice. These scrimmages are looked at like games, and guys can lose spots or gain spots in these scrimmages. And a lot of guys have lost jobs getting complacent because they had great practices, and then in those scrimmages, they didn't show up. A lot of these guys, they're great in practice. But we look at the scrimmage like a game. Some guys don't take that approach, and it costs them. Coaches see a lot of guys all the time that are stars in practice, but when the lights are the brightest, they don't show up. And that's what these scrimmages are. That's why it was at nighttime last night. And these guys that showed up, they're giving themselves an opportunity going into this next practice to get some extra reps. So, yeah, utilize utilize these scrimmages. Don't just look at them as a practice. It's a game. So make sure you're on your A-game for them because it is going to get you a lot more opportunities. Yeah, and you mentioned it. You know, every uh, preseason, especially in fall camp, you know, we hear stories about this guy or that guy that's really showing out in practice. Then, you know, the scrimmage comes, you don't hear much about them. That first game comes and they get on the field for maybe four or five snaps. Um, so the scrimmage is kind of like you kind of mentioned just now. That plays a huge role because this is a real game time scenario for these players. And if they can't get it done there, you know, anybody, you know, Bobby Bowen used to call him PlayStation All-American, said everybody looks good in shorts and, and T-shirts. But when you put the pads on and the lights come on in that stadium, it's different. So it's good to hear your perspective. What was your first scrimmage like as a freshman coming in? And, and how'd that go, man? Yeah, I think my first scrimmage, I was on defense. Um, I mean, it was – I was balling when I was on defense. I was balling. I came in early, had an opportunity to get reps with – ones due to the injury and then I got I was mixed in with the ones and twos but yeah it was I did pretty well in the spring at first those first few practices though they showed me that I was a freshman but once I once I got my feet wet I was good um Rich you talked about potentially Thompson and Matthews opting out um which again wouldn't wouldn't be super shocking at, at this point how much 
How much does that hurt Florida State to to lose those weapons? I know Thompson hasn't hasn't done a, a ton on the field, but it sounded like he was, you know, improving this offseason. DJ is another guy that has all the talent in the world, but to, you know, doesn't always show up or takes plays offs, has run-ins, whatever. You know, it's like how how much does that hurt or is that possibly a good thing? I know we're trying to be a little more positive on those guys this week, but what are your thoughts? Yeah, man, I, I think it's it'd be all speculation because we don't know how the players feel about them um, in in the situation right now. But from a depth point, obviously it's a hit. You know, Warren Thompson, like you mentioned, hasn't done a whole lot, but anyone who watches him, the talent's there, man. If he gets it right between the, between the ears, he he could have a monster. He could be a monster college receiver. And DJ, he's a guy that you would think his skill set fits a lot with what Coach uh, Norvell wants to do. But at the same time, they got a lot of younger guys. Ja'Kai Douglas, um, you know, Corey Wren's going to play running back in the slot. You know, you you have other guys that are going to have opportunities. Sounds like um, I'm a butcher's name, Portier, the receiver we got on signing day last year is having a big camp so far. So, I mean, these guys, it's one of those things. It, and I would say, again, this is a guess, but if they opt out considering what year they are in this program, I would not expect them back at that point. Um, again, that's all speculation. I, I think it you lose experience with DJ and it's a depth hit, but I do think that's a position where you can afford to lose some guys because it's it's a Tamari and Terry show and, and he's going to open other people up on the other side of the field. Um, so we'll see. What, what are your thoughts, Freddie? Um, yeah, I mean, there are obviously guys that will help us if they decide to play, but at these elite schools, it's a next man up approach. Of course, we would love to have them, but that gives these younger guys the opportunity to shine in. One thing I'm thinking about is if Kadarian was right about this offense, hey, we may be all right. So, um, you younger guys, y'all should be ready, making sure your gloves strapped up, you watching film because it's going to be a lot of opportunities in this offense from what we heard the other day. So, y'all make sure y'all ready. If these guys can't roll, it is what it is. But next man up, we no excuses. We still got to go for it. Yeah, Kadarian had me thinking me and TJ could split out wide and we'd be out of the end zone the way he was talking, man. I'm I'm excited to see that offense. Um, I want to talk about that for just a second. Just for the folks that um that maybe missed it or, or weren't around, we had an interview with Kadarian Jones on Friday night. It was about a 30 uh, 20, 25, 30 minute. We always say, oh, we'll be 15 minutes and it ends up being a lot longer. But we had maybe a 30 minute interview with Kadarian uh, Jones. Let me not butcher his name. Uh, played for Norvell for three years at Memphis. Uh, now coaches football, right? Coaches high yeah. school football, Richie. Um, so still very well connected. Um, he quoted uh, Warren Thompson the other day, just saying that the FSU players were soft and spoon fed and kind of came on to tell us what he meant by that he didn't really mean it as a shot or anything just kind of gave his take stood up for norvell uh, really good interview to kind of get some perspective on who mike norvell is what his former players think about him so go check that out that's everywhere um it's the last episode that's been published on uh, youtube itunes um spotify uh you know one one before this episode that you're you're listening to or watching now and, and obviously it's still on periscope and facebook we don't take anything down on that but that was really really good the night before, we did a pop-up show with Antonio Cromartie. I know a bunch of you checked that out. Again, that's everywhere. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Facebook, uh, Periscope, CastBox, all of those places. Um, and Cromartie hung out for, again, 20, 25 minutes. Really good long interview 
with him just about um, the situation at Florida State, which again has kind of died down now, but it was really good perspective. We put out a few clips of him just kind of providing his perspective as an 11-year NFL vet and what these guys need to do, kind of put out a call to action to the players on the team. And uh, so both of those were really, really good, not scheduled episodes that, that you should go um, check out. Mentry Patrick saying he needs some Guthrie's up in Atlanta. Um, I feel like – what do they have in Atlanta? I mean, I'm sure they have – I mean, I know they have Chick-fil-A, so that's kind of the, the, the big thing there. there today. Can't go on Sundays, so I'm not sure they open on Sundays. I kind of wanted it again. Dan said he wanted to go get it this week. Freddie's buddy Dan Thompson said he wanted to go get it this week, and I'm like, oh man, I was running on the treadmill after having that Guthrie's, and I was rubbing it back up, and I was just like, I should have done this right before I ran, but it was great in the moment. But I got I'm getting too old. Real quick, I, I do want to go back for anyone who doesn't go back and listen to that Kadarian Jones interview. Um, I just wanted to touch on what he did said. TJ pointed, you know, hit the quote tweet. He talked about players being spoon fed um, and he came on here and clarified that he mentioned that he doesn't think they're spoiled or, or entitled per se. But he says his point was players at a school like Florida State in a in a power five conference at a national power. They don't appreciate potentially the resources they have from nutrition to the weight room, to tutors, to the facilities, you know, that Kadarian was a two-star nobody really coming out of high school. Um, but, you know, he, he committed with Justin Fuente and uh, had a pretty good senior year under Mike Norvell over 600 yards, four touchdowns. Um, and he kind of said, uh, you know, from his perspective, you know, you guys don't realize how good you have it going to a power five school where, you, you know, you're four or five star guys. So it wasn't a shot at them personally, just saying, you know, it's, he has a perspective that anyone who spends worries at Florida State doesn't understand. If you've gone to JUCO or, you know, for the unfortunate situations where kids go to a place like Florida State and end up at a JUCO, if you watch Last Chance U, they, they can explain, man, it's they have all the resources in the world to be successful. And I think that's all he was trying to say. And I hope some players listen to it and take his advice because I thought both he and Crow gave outstanding insight. You know, without a doubt, I um I had something to say too. Um, Mentry Patrick was talking about Guthrie's in Atlanta. I'm in Texas, so we got a Canes, and all these guys they try to do it, but they're not Guthrie's. They're not Guthrie's. They they stole. They tried to steal the sauce from Guthrie's, and, <laughs> and Guthrie's got that's the original. You can't you can't do it like the original. But yeah, I need some Guthrie's in my life. We were on the phone with um, our guy at Guthrie's who's on the board, um, owns a couple of franchises, obviously. And he told us that um, the guys that opened up both Zaxby's and Kane's used to work at Guthrie's. And so they, they literally were birthed out of that. So, yeah, they, they uh, said we're going to go on our own. We're going to do um, – all we have is the pretender Zaxby and Mitri Patrick. <laughs> um, so they truly were birthed out of Guthrie's. And, and I've never had Raising Canes see a lot of people talking about it. I, I don't even know if it's in Florida. I don't know if Canes is, is in Florida anywhere or not. Somebody, um, But I've not had that. I've obviously had Zaxby's. But, yeah, nobody does it like Guthrie's. Zach, and Zaxby's does, like, a whole bunch of other stuff and wings and salads and all stuff. I mean, just give me the chicken tenders, the pizza toast, and the fries. I don't even need the coleslaw. I wonder if I wonder if Guthrie's gets mad that, that like everybody craps on their coleslaw, but like they don't even worry. Like I told the guy behind the counter, I said, I, "Can I have extra fries?" Um, I mean, I said it like it. I said, "Can I get double fries, no slaw?" And he's like, "Oh yeah, absolutely!" Like he like gets it all the time. So I mean, I think they know. I don't even know if there's any coleslaw in the back. I just think they know that they have it up there, 
and like everybody's gonna ask for double fries. So um I'm glad that meets a big uh Guthrie's fan too. But yeah, they those other two did come out of Guthrie's. Like Guthrie's is the reason for them. So uh, both those interviews were really, really good. Um and we've got a, again a couple of minutes before our next guest comes on. Do you guys have any other thoughts or anything while we're on here? Um, just a few quick notes. Uh, Florida State did get a commitment yesterday from a two four seven four star composite three star wide receiver Malik McCain. He's six five one ninety five, runs a verified four five forty. Picked Florida State over Alabama, Penn State, Miami, Texas A and M. Um, he mentioned Texas A and M and Florida State were two of the ones that it really came down to. So it's nice to pull one from Jimbo. They're now 21st nationally with 15 commits. Um, so there's your 30 seconds of recruiting. We promise you we wouldn't spend a lot of time on it. Um, the last thing uh, that Norvell said yesterday is they they hope to replace the Sanford game. We talked about it on the last show how that game was canceled. And it sounds like he hopes to have an update this week, whether they have a replacement or if they're just going to play 10 games this season. Um, so uh, no no strong sources saying who that 10 or that 11th game might be now. But it, you know, we talked about it last week, and we can rehash again. Do you think it'd be better to to play a game, or would they benefit from Georgia Tech having a bye before Miami, while Miami has to go to the road at Louisville the week before? I know, Freddie, you were you were kind of leaning towards wanting that extra tune-up game. You still feel that way? Um, yeah, I, just with all that went on this offseason with guys training back at home and not having a, a spring to practice together, I think that second game is crucial for us to build some more chemistry. Yeah, I think I think knowing what we know, it's it's kind of like the Bucks with no preseason, right? Like I think the Bucks are going to be good this year. Um, I mean, they're playing with the greatest quarterback that ever lived, uh, but he doesn't have a preseason. So yeah, Mintry Patrick here is uh, talking needing the reps. You know, totally agree with that. Um, if this was the 2014 FSU team that returned a, a ton of talent, a ton of people on that squad. Um, same quarterback um, that that play. If if it was 2014 FSU, I'd say yeah. Let's take the we need all the rest we can get. 2013's injury luck was great. 2014's wasn't. Um, but let's let's take the game off. Let's rest. We don't need that. We play the Citadel in 2014. If that game would have been wiped off our schedule, I'd have been fine with it. Uh, this one, I'm I'm not. I, I'm I'm more on we need the reps. You know, Freddie, you talked about the difference between. Uh, practices in a scrimmage. Um, I'm sure that it goes up tenfold going from a scrimmage to somebody else in that other uniform. And so just some things you can't replace. So I'll take the, I'll take the game for sure too. Uh, Richie, what are your, are you leaning that way? Are you leaning toward rest? Have we sold you on it or where are you at? As long as it's a, a, a game where we know we'll have the backups in by late third quarter. Um, I'm fine with that. I, I, you know, there's talks about other power fives. I don't think anyone would come here, but I'd rather not play, you know, a fringe top 25 team in week two right before Miami. I'd rather have the week off if that's the case, considering how young this team is. But yeah, if you can get a an equal um, replacement to a Sanford, then yeah, I, I think that's that's extremely helpful, especially to the younger guys here, right? Because it's we don't know how many games we'll be able to get these younger guys in, and that's when you would hope you could get live reps. And with it being early in the season, Maybe, you know, it's like a scrimmage. Somebody, a young guy steps up and just makes four or five plays that he hasn't been making in practice that earns him some playing time against Miami or later down the road. So I'm definitely on board with the game. I just want it to be a guaranteed win. 
Yeah, and those are those are tough. Or have been tough to come by the last couple of years. I, you know, two years ago, Sanford wasn't even a, a guaranteed win. Um, we talked about USF. I don't. You know, I think they just make a ton of sense from a geographical standpoint. Um, but you know, I don't know what the Americans doing. I mean, I haven't heard any anything on you know what the American conference is is doing or not doing. I really haven't heard much out of anybody that's not Power Five unless they were canceling right. So. Uh, I, I think, think USF. Yeah, I think they're in wait and see mode. I know. Uh, um, I forget the ninth guy's name. The AD for UCF came out with a statement last week, and it was very vague. Basically, it said that we're prepared to play in September, we're prepared to push back, and we're prepared for a spring ball. So he kind of left everything open. I think they're probably waiting to see what the ACC, SEC, and Big Twelve do. The the SEC is supposed to release uh, their schedule with dates tomorrow at seven PM on the SEC network or tonight if you're listening on monday so i think that's another step forward in the right direction but if we get to you know all three of these teams in camp end of august i think the american will say okay we're playing as well because we have other people kind of leading the way for us they're not going to be the ones to say hey we're coming out you know week zero to play i i don't think that'll be the case but i i do think the american you know they're they're probably their fans care more about football than any other group of five conference um they do have some really good fans in that conference and I think they're going to try and play if the Power Five, the three of them, get off their ground running. Yeah, and they're and they've got a lot of teams. I mean, I just thought about Cincinnati, but a lot of their teams are are here in the South, right? So UCF, USF, um, Memphis, obviously. Who else is 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 in there? Um, Texas governor came out advocating no. football, so they should be good. Um, so yeah, it'll it'll be interesting. I, I think. I'm hoping for a quiet week because uh, I can't keep leaving my wife to do these pop-up shows <laughs> three, four times a week. You know, she's getting a little upset with me having to take care of the puppy. But, yeah, man, hopefully by uh, – if we can get through these next two weeks with students coming back and we don't have a, a massive outbreak that also impacts the football team, um, I think that's going to be interesting because I think a lot of colleges will have outbreaks. Just bringing, you know, 20, 30, 40,000 kids back to a central location, you're going to have outbreaks on campuses. How will they react? And uh, kind of like Meat said, is Norvell threatening the players? Like, hey, stay away from the general population if you want to play, because it that's a it's a shitty thing to hear if you're a college athlete and uh, you know you you you're a big man on campus. You get to walk around with your Florida State football gear, baseball, basketball, whatever it may be. But can the, you convince eighteen to twenty two year olds to make a sacrifice for one semester at least for football? If they can do that, then I think we'll play. But I mean, it's these next two weeks are going to be very interesting for all of us. I think on with that, you just have to have – it's cool for Norvell to threaten them and everything, but these seniors that came back for their last year that want to help their stock out, like I said, um, with our squad, the, the veterans, they were they were grabbing you. They were getting in your chest. So, no, you're not finna mess up my season. I came back. I risked all this to come back. You're not messing up my season. So, I'm letting the young guys know that we didn't come back for anything. Y'all say y'all want to win. Y'all say y'all say y'all want this. Y'all got to show me. We can have fun after this season is over with. Um, I just messaged our supposed to be next guest, and I'll give him just a couple minutes. And if something kind of came up, then we'll we'll wrap up here in a second. Um, kind of from a national perspective, I kind of want to get you guys' thoughts on this. Um, knowing what we know, and let's assume that the Big Ten, I know there's some smoke around the Big Ten trying to, you know, overrule what was 
already decided. But let's assume the Big Ten's out and Ohio State doesn't play. Um, I think there are two obvious picks for for the playoff. But who are your four playoff teams right now? Say the season happens, we we get a full season, uh, or you know what what's proposed by you know the SEC, Big Twelve, and, and ACC. Who are your who are your playoff teams right now? Uh, you go first, Rich. Young. All right. So I, I'm under the impression with, with all these conferences playing a conference-only schedule, conference reputation is going to matter more than it has in the past, right or wrong. So I think the SEC gets the benefit of the doubt. So I think whoever wins the SEC and potentially whoever has the second-best record gets in. So I'm going to say the SEC gets two teams in. Um, so I'll say Alabama and then uh, maybe Georgia or Florida. I know people don't want to hear Florida, but it, they – It'll be interesting. I think they Dan Mullen's a really good coach. He just doesn't have the elite talent that he needs. But the, if they go, you know, nine and one and their only losses to Alabama, it, it'll be interesting to see what happens. So I'll say two SEC teams, Alabama in a plus one, Clemson, obviously. And then, uh, man, either Oklahoma or Texas, because I think and I'm excited because I'm glad we don't have to worry about teams like Oregon or, you know, some or a Utah sticking around for 10, 12 weeks until they lose a game. So I, I'm excited about it. But yeah, I'll say Oklahoma, Alabama, Florida, and Clemson. Yeah, I, I kind of think the same thing. I will. I'll, we, I'll. I won't bore you with my thoughts, but I think it's the same thing. If, if Georgia wins that side, then they're in. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I agree. I was just trying to think about the the teams we had. But, um, yeah, I think this is – I hate to say it about the Gators. I think this is the year they beat Georgia. Um, I just think they take that next step this year. So, I think they'll be one of those teams to get in. But I, I'm here for it if they lose because their fans last year after they lost to Georgia, we're not happy, man. If, if it happens again, I'm, I'm here for it. I'm going to be on Twitter. I don't <laughs> care if we're 0-6. I'm going to be here. Well, speaking of Georgia, um, noted Georgia fan – um, just kidding. Just, just ask Twitter, uh, on this one though, but Barry Silly, how are you doing today, man? I'm good guys. What's happening? We are doing well. Thanks for taking a couple of minutes with us tonight. Um, I'll, I'll start with this, but double fries, no slaw. Have you ever had Guthrie's before? Yes. Uh, a lot. I went to Auburn and there was a Guthrie's right, uh, near my, uh, my apartments, uh, both of the apartments that I lived at. And, uh, actually one just opened up right across the street from my current neighborhood, uh, like two weeks ago. So I yes, yes. I think this is the first Guthrie's that that's, that's ever been in Atlanta. So it's like legitimately right across from the entrance to my neighborhood. So, uh, I've been there often. Somebody in the comments was asking um, for Guthrie's in Atlanta to get one. So whoever uh, that was, there is one. Yeah, whoever that was, go do a Google or something like. That's right, <laughs> right off, right off Butner Road and Veterans. It's right there. Awesome, awesome. Um, well, we were just talking national landscape. Obviously, stuff is so weird right now. Um, I've got a couple of questions for you, and I'll pass the pass the mic here. Um, we just talked about our four playoff teams. Is this the year that? Uh, Florida finally beats Georgia. I mean, what are your, what are your thoughts there in the SEC? And and then do you kind of I know you were backstage while we were talking about. It. I mean, do you do you see it kind of shaking out the same way? The winner of the Big Twelve, Clemson, and then two SEC teams. Well, I mean, I think with with Florida, uh, I picked Florida to beat Georgia uh, before the season. 
I think, you know, what George, what happens with Georgia with J.C. Daniels is big. Um, you know, what the schedule looks like on, on uh, Monday night when, you know, we see exactly who plays who and when. We already know the who, but we don't know the when, and that's obviously going to be uh, really important, especially, um, you know, in, in, a, uh, in a situation now where, you know, you, you have uh, a lot of unknowns out there. In terms of the playoff, you know, I, I, it's hard to project what would happen um, because especially now that, that Notre Dame's in the ACC, uh, I think you're, it's, it's, I think, a little bit too premature to say, all right, look, you know, the SEC is going to get two in uh, because we don't know what the frame of reference is going to be. What if Notre Dame beats Clemson in the regular season and then Clemson wins the ACC championship? Well, both of those teams are probably going to be in. You know, so, um, you know, I, I think it's it's hard to say if I had to guess right now. Yeah, I'd probably say, um, you know, you get you get two SEC, one ACC and one Big 12. Uh, it also wouldn't surprise me if uh, if there was, um, you know, a little bit of a curveball, um, you know, thrown in there. Maybe this is the year uh, the year that that, uh, you know, a group of five team finds a way, you know, goes undefeated where, um, you know, where in, in years past that wouldn't be enough. Now there's no chain, uh, no frame of reference for. Um, you know, some, some of these other uh, teams out there in the, in the playoff selection committee. So maybe a, a group of five team could get in. Um, do you – the smoke around the Big Ten – does the Big Ten have any chance of playing? Any of the teams in the Big Ten have any chance of playing in other conferences, independent, or anything like that? No. Um, you know, I, I don't see how that, that would be – uh, legitimately possible at this point. I, I do think, though, um, that you could see this have some trickle down effect, and maybe some of these teams, you know, decide they want to jump ship and bail uh, because they're clearly in a conference uh, led by a commissioner who, you know, that, that neither of whom value football all that much, um, and neither of whom really understand, you know, where. Um, you know, the, the, the pecking order of college football is. So it wouldn't surprise me, um, you know, long-term if, if this doesn't linger and, you know, when, when TV contracts and, and all those other things come, come up, um, you know, do, do you have a situation where an Ohio state wants to bounce or, or Nebraska, you know, maybe, but, uh, but no, I I don't think it's going to happen. It can't happen right now. I do think though, the chance of them coming back, yeah, I could I could see it happening. I'm not saying it will, but I could see it happening. Um, just because right now Kevin Warren looks like he's got egg on his face. You know, he he I think vastly misread the room. I think he thought that he could build a coalition to to announce uh, at the same time and that everybody would follow the Big Ten's lead, which to me shows um, just a, an, a a massive massive ignorance of of the college football landscape and pecking order. And um, you know, I think that's. Uh, with all the with all the parents doing what they're doing, with what Justin Fields is doing today, um, you know, with the the MoveOn.org petition, um, I could I could certainly see a, a situation where uh, they come back uh, that would also ultimately cost Kevin Warren his job sooner rather than later. Richie, you're on mute. Very. <laughs> so we uh we just got finished up speaking with Mike Martin Jr., the head baseball mm -hmm. coach here at Florida State. And he was very candid. He said he's scared to death that there's no football because <laughs> yeah. of what it's going to do to other sports. So how much of an impact could that have potentially on the big, uh, if some of these other Olympic sports say, hey, we can't play without football. Like, you know, we, we need to find a way to get this done. Like how much of a, if, if the conversation is that a part of right now? Yeah, it's big um, because I think I read that Georgia is the only school in the country that is that can still turn a profit 
uh, if it doesn't have football. J- just by the way the, the balance sheets work out, I think that's the case. Notre Dame might be in there too. Um, but yeah, I mean, all, all those sports, those are the ones, you know, obviously we've seen group of five schools cut sports. You saw Stanford cut sports. Um, you know, uh, baseball's not going to get cut at Florida State. There's no, no way or about, no, no chance for that. But uh, the resources that would be provided would be cut. There's no doubt. I mean, you, you would, it would be across the board in, in every conference that doesn't play, um, you know, every sport would feel the hurt. A lot of them would be canceled. You know, football, basketball, baseball obviously wouldn't. But, um, you know, we've, we've seen not, you know, in the Southeast, and I grew up playing baseball, so I, I kind of know this. Uh, I, I've been around, um, you know, Southern baseball for a while. Um, the, the, the revenue that goes into those sports and the amount of uh, attention that gets paid and the amount of dedication these schools have made toward that is something that has been building for like 30 years. I mean, the, the different facilities that have been, you know, just progressively building, building, building. And then once, you know, the, the explosion of TV contracts started about 15 years ago uh, in college baseball, what, what were already great programs just exploded. Um, it would all shrink. It all go away. And, you know, that's, that sucks. Cause a lot of kids, you know, see an opportunity, um, you know, through college baseball, especially now. I mean, you look at the sec and ACC now, um, you know, that's, that's a, that's a good opportunity for a lot of players. Um, a lot of whom, you know, probably could have gone out of the minors, but you know, probably, you know, wouldn't make a ton of money. Um, you know, so it's, it's a shame. It would, it would, drastically change the landscape of, of college athletics, especially sport, sports like baseball and, and others. But then think about what happens beyond that. I mean, are any kids going to really want to, you know, go through those blood, sweat and tears to have to pay their own way through college? I don't know. Probably not. Yeah. And it, it seems like we're getting a lot of conflicting reports, which is obviously it, it's everyone with this pandemic. It goes beyond sports, but <laughs> You know, last week, you know, the Big Ten, they cited a study that since has come back and they're not sure how valid that study was. Then uh, Duke's uh, one of their head doctors comes out and says he believes there's a safe way to play college football either today or last night. One of the head doctors for the NCAA says (laughs) testing is now we can't do it to me with the NCAA. It seems like they just want to separate themselves from these conferences as far as football for a liability standpoint. Yeah. How much of that do you think it is is strictly liability that these school presidents and chancellors are scared to death of right now it's liability and it's fear um Mm -hmm. you know just aside like how much of a microcosm is that of our medical industry that like it's like going on google when you have a headache you're you're anything from fine to imminently dead and anything in between like that's exactly what's happening right now with all this stuff um but yeah you know i think I, i don't know it's it's the the whole the whole pandemic thing with with everything that we've gone through, um, you know, it's it's just it, it sucks that that we've, we're sitting at a point now, um, you know, through through all of this that you've got this whole thing's political, and it's not like not like based on like Republican Democrat, it's interpolitical within conferences and the presidencies and the ads, and it's just everybody is at odds with each other and. It's because they're going back to information that want that they want to fit their narrative. And, you know, you mentioned the Duke expert. That guy's a cardiovascular surgeon at Duke. The, the, the head of the cardiology department at Michigan said that the information that the Big Ten used was flawed. I mean, it's just it's there's no consensus. So because of that, yeah, liability is, is definitely 
um, you know, the, the number one driving force, because if there's not going to be an, uh, a, a, a clear cut, you know, pathway for everybody to, to sort of follow, then you're going to get people who disagree with your path that, that, you know, reluctantly go along with it. I also think that there's fear now, too, because what has happened, you know, and the NCAAs are always been toothless. We know that, like, right? Like that's just they, they're they're nothing more than a than an umbrella. Well, it, you know, you saw Mark Emmert with that video uh, from inside the NCAA, I guess it was Thursday, uh, where more or less it was a passive aggressive threat to to all of the, the six remaining conferences like, y'all don't do this. Um, but it, it, now I think what the NCAA says or what thinks is that, holy crap, if those if those conferences play, it's over. Like the NCAA is over. There's there's no there's. There's no teeth to that dog anyway. We know that now. But if the NCAA basically says, screw you guys, you know, if, if, if the conference says, screw you guys, we're going to play anyway, then the NCAA is gone. Like, it's legitimately gone. So, um, yeah, it's liability, yeah. And I think now it's also evolved into fear and paranoia that, you know, the the the, the NCAA still existing could, 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 could be a – you know, could disappear sooner rather than later. Um, if um the Big Ten was able to go on somehow and have a season, would that kind of change the top four? Because I know me, Richie, and TJ, we all believe that with Justin Fields leading the charge mm-hmm. for Ohio State, they were going to be a monster this year, and that was definitely going to be one of my teams to come out in that championship game. Yeah, I mean, I was going to pick Ohio State to win the national championship. Um, you know, before all of this stuff happened, and. Um, you know, honestly, with uh, with all of the stuff that had happened in the offseason before the Big Ten canceled, I was more apt to pick Ohio State just because, you know, all the weapons they had. And I'm not the biggest returning starters guy, but if you have, you know, 15 practices and that's it, you know, then you, you trust the talent. You trust the guys who you have returning and and Ohio State's got them. So, yeah, I would um, I, I would have gone with Ohio State. I don't necessarily think. Um, that anything else would change. Like, I, I kind of thought that maybe Oregon could sneak in somehow. Um, and, and once the Pac-12 went Pac-12 only before canceling altogether, I thought, all right, well, you know, maybe, uh, maybe that'll help Oregon more than anything else because, you know, there'd be no point, no frame of reference where, where you know, committee members can look at them and say, you know, yeah, you guys, you guys can't match up because, you know, there's just like the old American and National League. So uh, I would have picked Ohio State to go in. I would have, been I would probably been more apt to go with Oregon over a Big 12 team um just because I do think with with that with that you know offensive line and defensive line uh, I thought they could do some good things um so I know we've talked a lot nationally but we do focus here on Florida State a little bit so what are your thoughts you know, on maybe even like pre-pandemic and now post-pandemic, if that's maybe post-pandemic or mid-pandemic, if that's changed it. But what are your thoughts on Mike Norvell in Tallahassee? What is your outlook there? Um, and, you know, again, maybe what were you thinking before the pandemic and then how how has that maybe adjusted a little bit? So I like Mike Norvell a lot. I, I think from, from an X's and O's standpoint and from a scheme standpoint and what he can do with players and the way he recruits and the way he uses players – I mean, Florida State couldn't have asked for anybody better, you know, from that perspective. The, the problem was program management. And, 
And uh, right now, uh, it does not look like it's being managed very well. And I know Florida State fans probably hate to hear about problems managing programs after what Willie Taggart did. Um, but, you know, with all that's going on, it's like you kind of want to shake him a little bit and be like, yo, Mike, like this is A, you shouldn't be doing this. But B, you really shouldn't be doing this to this specific fan base because they've already had enough of all this crap. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm not – that part's disappointing. I still think that, you know, he's going to be able to recruit. He's going to be able to find talent. He's going to be able to win. Um, but um, the, the program management part, uh, lack of communication, you know, all this other stuff, the off the field crap that's happened to me, that's, uh, that's concerning. It, it's, it really is, especially considering it's the players that are the ones voicing these concerns. Um. Going to the the other side of the state, the rival. You picked UF to to beat Georgia um, before the season. Um, are they? Are they? Uh, let me try and phrase it. Is Alabama still the top dog? And how close is how close is uh, Florida to to that just elite elite tier? Because they've been really good for a little while, but I, have they taken that step yet? No, in, in reality, I think Alabama might have taken a step back. And full disclosure, I picked Alabama to go undefeated and win the SEC and make the playoff. But um, that was just because I think there are two elite teams in the country, Florida State, I mean, uh, Clemson and, and Ohio State. Now that Ohio State's gone, I think it's only Clemson. But, um, you know, with, with Florida, I think they're a flawed team. that They, they have, I think, some, some growing up to do. I think the offensive line, um, you know, is, is better than people give it credit for defensively. They need some help and obviously don't have a ton of experience, which is going to be a big problem. Uh, but I think with Florida, they, they might be one of those teams that, okay, yeah, maybe they go 11 and one in a normal season. Um, you know, make the, make the playoff if they, if they win the SEC championship game, but not good enough to win it. You know, if, if the breaks go their way, then yeah, I could see them making it. I just don't think they have that elite talent, that elite, uh, depth that that some of these other teams have. And and honestly, I don't know if Alabama does this year because I don't really know what to expect from Mac Jones. Um, you know, I, the, the whole secondary is gone. Um, you know, so uh, it just Alabama, I think, is is the best team in the SEC. But I don't think it's a team that is national championship caliber because I do think there are, you know, a few too many questions to to just sort of etch them in ink as being, you know, the, the cream of the crop in the sport. We'll go all the way around the state then. What are your thoughts on Manny Diaz and, and Miami down there? Did they finally put it together? I mean, they they look like on paper every year. They've got a really easy path, a lot of winnable games. I mean, obviously, they, they'll they be favored in every game they play this year except for the Clemson game. Mm -hmm. uh, what are your thoughts on Miami, you know, quick thoughts on this year and then, you know, Manny Diaz and that program long term? Man, I can't wait to see De'Eric King. I mean, I, I cannot wait to see De'Eric King. And – uh, you know, unfortunately, with um, with what happened with Russo going, you know, that defense kind of took a hit. But uh, I, I think, you know, I love what Rhett Lashley does. I think when you put Rhett Lashley with De'Eric King, uh, that's just an absolute perfect match. Because um, when Rhett had the keys at Auburn, he was able to do things with players that have um, some accuracy issues and do them well. Nick Marshall finished eighth in his career or eighth all time in Auburn in passing yards, Nick Marshall, eighth all time at Auburn in passing yards. And how did he do it? He Rhett Lashley found four or five things that he was good at and just hammered him, hammered him, hammered him into the ground. And that's all, that was the offense. It was zone read and like four or five schemes passing and that's it. And 
Um, Jarrett King's a better passer than Nick Marshall. Uh, so I just can't, I can't wait to watch what that what that is and what that marriage is like. Uh, I think they get a they, they kind of um, they got dealt a bad hand, um, you know, with the divisions in the AC or the uh, yeah the divisions combining because I think they had a, had a cakewalk into. Um, you know, the, the ACC championship game. And it could have been like that, like it was, you know, a few years back when, you know, they were in the ACC championship game. They had one loss and, you know, in theory, you know, they were in, in the playoff hunt, even though, you know, watching them play, we knew they weren't, but you know, the, the paper was there on the paper, on paper they were. So um, I, I really, I can't wait to see what happens. I think that the, the divisions getting uh, erased for this season really hurts them. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think the, Diaz hiring Lashley and getting King was it will be and and should be a lot of fun. One more ACC question for you. Uh, one team that's seemingly getting a lot of national hype right now is North Carolina. Obviously, Sam Howell's a really good quarterback. Um, sucks <laughs> we didn't keep him, but Star you know, it, it is what it is. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, no, I wish him nothing but yeah. the best. I he made the best decision for him, and it paid off. So I, I don't blame him one bit for uh, avoiding this ship right now. But are you buying the hype of North Carolina as a team? I mean, they went six and six last year, but they're saying they're being picked as you know a, a you know a favorite pick to win the coastal along, along with Miami. There are, are are you high on them, or do you think they're being overhyped or just about right? What, what's your thoughts on them? Yeah, I um, North Carolina's a mister to me, you know because. Um, with Daz outside, they've got weapons and, and, you know, they've got like that, that one like connection that, that they can build off of. And, um, aside from that, you know, I think it's hard to pin down cause you go watch, uh, what they did last year. That offense was extremely inconsistent. Um, but you know, Phil Longo is a really good coach. I, I don't, I think Phil Longo got a little bit of the short end of the stick when he was at Ole Miss because, you know, that, that program was in shambles. Um, you know, I thought he did some good things last year, but they just couldn't do it consistently. Consistently was that part of the, uh, partly because, you know, the, the, the players and the depth wasn't there probably. Um, so yeah, I, I'm excited to see what happens. I mean, Sam is one of the best quarterbacks in the country. I think we all know that, um, you know, and, and having another year, you know, in that system, even though it's been a disjointed, you know, COVID shortened off season. Um, yeah, I, I think that it's, it's going to be fun to watch. I think consistency is there. I just can't trust them to be, you know, to make that immediate jump right now. I think it's it's a slower build than maybe, you know, people, other people in our in our business sort of sort of expect. And I just have one last question for you. I'm gonna put you on the spot here because nobody really knows, but you know, Twitter's gonna hold you accountable. <laughs> do, do we do we see Florida State and Georgia Tech on September 12th? Um, give me a percentage. And then what's the percentage you think that the college football season plays out to completion? Selfishly, I hope we don't see Florida State, Virginia Tech on, on the 12th because that's uh, a week George after. My, that's, I'm sorry, George. Tech. That's a week after my son's birthday. And that's the day of his birthday party. So uh, wow. <laughs> we're, we're really banking on a delay. Uh, but um, but no, I do think I, I think the season will go off. I think the ACC will have to push back. I, I think you're probably everybody going to be starting around September 25th and make that what Labor Day weekend normally was for, for all conferences. I think like the ACC, there was a, the, the politics of all this is so ridiculous, but the, the SEC is so mad at the ACC for putting in that, that, um, that scheduling requirement being out of state or being in state for ACC teams. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I think every, I think the three big conferences are going to kind of like put their arms around each other and be like, all right, big hug. 
bygones be bygones, you know, whatever. Um, I, so I think we play. I don't think you'll see uh, the Seminoles play in week what would have been week two. I think they'll probably if the ACC has to change the schedule, they have to change the schedule. If not, you know, no worries. But I, I, I if I had to bet, I think that everybody starts um, that September twenty fifth weekend. Uh, you know, make it a three day event or whatever. Um, but I do, th- I do think we'll have it. And I do think it'll be relatively uninterrupted um, because I mean, I, TJ knows this. I, I think a lot of this stuff is being used to drive ratings and that's it. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm here for a football season. So let's go. <laughs> um, how good or just maybe how not bad can Florida state expect to be this year? Um, I think every game on the schedule minus Clemson is, well, maybe Clemson and Notre Dame is potentially winnable, but I think every game on the schedule minus those two is potentially, well, with those two is potentially losable too, with maybe the easiest one being that Georgia tech game, but that's week one. So who knows? Yeah. So how, I think Florida State's going to play in a lot of coin flips, you know? And so yeah. what, what are your thoughts on them this season? Yeah, I think um, you know the the schedule. Getting Notre Dame, you know, I, I, look, I, I I can't wait to watch that game. I remember vividly where I was that uh, that 2014 game, which was just awesome. Um, yeah. You know, I, yeah, I think that um, I think you're going to see some inconsistency, but you, you're going to see high upside. You're going to see a team that you know when it hit when it hits right. You're, that's the team that you're you're hoping you get from Mike Norvell because he's a really good coach. Um, I think unlike Willie Taggart. He actually can coach his way through some of his organizational flaws because, I mean, he's just that good. Um, so I think you see, you know, a high upside, but you might get a, a head scratching moment or two. Um, you know, I know Florida State folks hate to hear that because that's been, you know, the story of the last half decade. But um, you know, it's just it's it's growing pains. But I I think that if they can find consistent quarterback play, which I, you know, who knows what it's going to be if it's Blackman or somebody else. Um, you know, whoever it is, that the consistency is not going to be there. So still a good team, still a competitive team. We're going to put the fear of God into either Notre Dame or Clemson, but I don't think they win either one of those games, but uh, but they'll be competitive. It would be nice for either one of those to not be over by halftime like they have been the last – or would the, be first, into the first quarter, yeah. Right, so, so playing so close my, would be good. My last, last question, because me and TJ disagreed on this a few weeks ago, what I don't know if you're a betting man, but what number would you need to feel comfortable taking Florida State against Clemson oh, this oh, year? Man. I'll tell you, I said 30. <laughs> really? I, I don't think it's that high. So I, I originally said 17 and a half. I think that was a little low. So if I said 23 and a half, is that is that I'd take enough? Florida State. I'd take okay. Florida State. Oh, um just because I mean look, the defensive line's good, right? Yeah. Like the defensive yeah. you're that's going to that's going to travel no matter where the game is, no matter what time it is, no matter what you know what the what you know if you're home or away or you know have a two game stretch or whatever. That's tough. I just that's not going to go away. So yeah, you give me three touchdowns in the Seminoles, yeah, I'd, I'd take I'd do that for sure. I definitely sound like a negative Nancy, but yeah, like I just Trevor Lawrence is so good, and I've just seen such incompetence the last few years. That <laughs> I, I may change my mind as we get closer to that game. Uh, but as of right now, I'm thinking I need like 28 or so. Um, <laughs> All just so bad. Yeah, I mean, just they worked us the last two seasons, and so it's just been brutal. So, um, Freddie, Richie, I'm good. I, you guys have anything else? Man, Barrett, I really appreciate you yeah, coming man. on and hanging out tonight. You guys good? Yeah, man. Well, thanks for having me, guys. I really appreciate it. And uh, hopefully we have football here in a little while. Yes, yes. Yeah, the return. 
The return of sports has been great. I know you're a Braves guy. Uh, the Rays are doing well. I like the Lakers, and they're doing well. And But there's nothing like football, so yeah, I agree. No, hope, hopefully we get it back. So thanks a ton for hanging out tonight, man. Yeah, guys, thanks for having me. You bet. Thanks, Bear. Thanks. Cool. So a couple of fun guests tonight. I hope people enjoy both of yeah. those. I, I agree with him on a lot of that stuff. I think that um, it's good to hear optimism from uh, – national guys on Norvell and Florida state. There's going to be bumps in the road. There's going to be growing pains. They're probably not going to go eight and three, like I predicted, but, uh, or like we all predicted, but you know, there are going to be positive positives that we're going to see. And and so that's when, when national people are saying that it's definitely a good feeling um, for sure. Um, do we have anything else tonight, guys? Do you guys have any thoughts on either interview or anything else you want to wrap up with? We've been on for, a little over an hour and a half, and so I'll let these people get back to their nights that are hanging out with us. No, that's that's it for me. It was, it was a fun one starting off with Coach Martin and then finishing off with that. It was great, great night. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm very happy with uh, Coach Martin. I thought he did a great job, very entertaining. And, uh, you know, I, I like the optimism with Norvell and the X's and O's from Barrett, but I'm more excited with his optimism that we will have a season and it will be in, uninterrupted. So hopefully he's right and we can, uh, we'll be here every Sunday to talk about Florida State and how they played the day before here in a few weeks. I think the bigger question is, will we do a pop-up show on Thursday? Or can, can Florida State stay out of the news for a week so that I don't have to do – another show i mean I, I enjoy getting on here i enjoy doing this with you guys and the support's been awesome but my I, you know my wife's kind of looking at me like how many a week are you doing so yeah, okay. we've talked about maybe doing two a week during the season like a yeah. sunday sunday recap thursday preview uh, if we play 10 or 11 games that'd, that'd only be like 10 or like 11 extra shows or so um so i think that'd be fun but um we'll we'll see when we get there um i want to remind you one more time double fries no slaw is brought to you by guthrie's in tallahassee Tag us in your pictures, and I'll mail you a Double Fries No Slaw sticker. I've got a million of them. Um, tag us in your picture getting Guthrie's. Um, if you're in Atlanta, they've got them in Alabama. They're in, obviously, northern Florida. Wherever you are, go get Guthrie's. But if you're in Tallahassee, that's where you should be going. So 1818 West Tennessee Street, 2550 North Monroe. Um, appreciate their support. Uh, we added another member to the team um, over the weekend, Brian Hathaway. I uh, mentioned him on Friday's show, gave him a quick shout out. If you need any kind of logo drawn up, he's been super helpful uh, to me and to us putting some images out of different things we talked about on the podcast. Um, so appreciate him. Uh, follow him, BHath4. Um, he's super helpful and, and kind of our lead graphic designer. Uh, are our only graphic designer at this point. Um, so glad to have him on board. He really helps uh, some of this stuff look a lot better uh, than I can do. Uh, of course, Ed Kennedy also helps us on a lot of social media stuff, so appreciate him. Uh, and that's all I got this week. Thanks, guys, for your support. Like, share, comment, retweet, follow on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, all those places. Um, oh, one more shout out. Um, I don't know if you guys know this, but we uh, – we made a, a an appearance in the top 150 on the iTunes charts. Um, so we made up to 137. I'm hoping that tomorrow, or maybe it's 138 right now. I'm hoping that tomorrow we make another jump because a bunch of you guys go listen to this and subscribe and rate us. 
Uh, but I don't know if you can see this or not. Obviously, I don't know how to hold my phone up to the camera. I'm not strong enough to unplug it. But anyway, we're on there. You can't see it, but you can't see shit, TJ. But it's on there. There you go. Double fries, top charts. Very good. Yeah. All right. So people listening, I'm sorry that I put you through that. So good job to you guys. Good job to all of us, I guess, to get uh, trying on iTunes. Only up from here. So any closing thoughts? Who's got the song this week? I think I picked the one uh, without knowing it on uh, Friday night that we did. So I think you're up, TJ. I'm up. I will go with – I have no idea. So it will be a surprise when I edit this. <laughs> <laughs> people that are listening can figure it out tomorrow. So that's all I got. Thanks, guys, for hanging out. Appreciate y'all. We, th- we appreciate y'all. Um, like you said, we appreciate all the support. Tonight, you got a, got a little national talk. We got to talk about some of your favorite teams. So, yeah, help us crack into that top 100. You got us into the top 150. Let's get into that top 100. We appreciate all the support. Keep sharing. And keep subscri- subscribing on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Absolutely. Good stuff, guys. I'll see you hopefully not until Sunday. But if we do another one, we'll do another one. (laughs) Hopefully I'll see you in a week. You can set my house on fire, baby.